Yo, what is up, everyone? It is your host, or not host, I guess, filling in host, Brando, uh, back for another episode here with my boy Drew of the Vols ATB podcast. Um, obviously, a huge, huge episode to cover, lots of grounds to cover, um, lots of topics. But first off, you know, uh, Alex and Lo are not here today. Just want to give some prayers to our boy, Lo Alex, uh, in Tampa, Florida, currently going through the little Hurricane Ian, kind of making landfall out there. So I just want to give some thought, uh, thoughts and prayers to Alex and also to the people in the state of Florida. Um, obviously looking really dangerous, looking pretty bad. Hurricanes are never good. And I know we just had a huge rivalry game, but thoughts and prayers to everyone and hope they stay safe. Uh, the last week, Drew, how have you been, my guy? I know we've been riding high. A lot of disgust. Man, unbelievable. I mean, there are so many things that we can go and discuss, and I'm sure we will. But everything from the atmosphere, the buildup, just the vibe around campus, the game itself, even the after party, just unbelievable. That's what, I mean, weekends like last weekend is what it's all about being a Tennessee fan. And I mean, it's, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. So I'm excited for what this season has uh, for tail. But, dude, what a weekend. Unbelievable. I think I finally recovered after Saturday from this game. But my God, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. No, I agree, man. It was like a three day recovery for me, too. But I mean, like, bro, just, we said it couldn't be done. We, we talked about this game, you know, since the beginning of the podcast when this four all got together. Uh, we were talking about looking forward to this year. It was that Florida game, and you know, I was thinking, can we get can we get this done in year two under Josh Heifel? Can we get over that hump early and you know get a meaningful win? Uh, sure enough, did man. You know, getting out there at nine thirty, seeing college game day, the whole set. I know people were out there camping out. I mean, people were out there giving them hell at six a.m. It was wild. The signs I was seeing were just you know vulgar, but you know, obviously Tennessee. Um, you know, we did a big, you know, we showed them why they shouldn't have went to Duke and Kansas. I feel like like you can't beat what you saw on Saturday morning. Um, everyone picking Tennessee, but Herb Street, you know, that was kind of cool. Uh, all in all, man, the environment, Checker Nealon was full before, you know, 30 minutes before kickoff. All the tailgates from G5 was fired at G10 with the game down there. Everyone, you know, getting the energy. Uh, you could just tell the big game feeling was in the air. The team went out there, performed well. Uh, you can't even explain how well they did, man. I guess we could dive in first offensively like Hendon Hooker man can we talk about this being this man's best performance yet as a Tennessee Vol I think the Heisman Hooker the Heisman with a five is the yes Hooker I think that candidate you know is it's growing some steam and you're seeing it from the national media too Drew oh yeah I've you know I've after Saturday I've come to the conclusion at least in my lifetime 24 years as a Tennessee fan he is he's the best quarterback I've ever seen playing the orange and white i mean I, and for me like i think he's way better of a quarterback than josh Dobbs is just as far as just i mean he's just a threat to his legs i mean unbelievable i mean he was just he was the complete reason sole reason why we won that game on saturday uh you know going 28 22 for 28 with 349 passing yards and two D tds on top of that 112 rushing yards and a touchdown most passing yards by a tennessee quarterback against florida since the Peyton Manning himself back in 97. And, I mean, just even the offense in general, I mean, like, it was just unbelievable. 576 yards of total offense. And the huge thing that once I sobered up, I didn't realize that was actually the case was that we didn't punt once the entire game, exactly. which was like – I couldn't even think about that while the game was happening. I was a little more too focused on heckling the Florida fans or, like, right below me. But literally didn't punt once the entire game, which – I thought it was an unbelievable stat. And even despite the effort from Anthony Richardson, and I try to tell you, man, Anthony Richardson, he's he's a hell of an athlete, dude. I mean, he looked like trash the first year part of the season, but there's a reason why a lot of people still thought, like, you know, he could be a good quarterback. He proved it last Saturday. But, uh, man, Hooker for Heisman immediately starts today. Vols ATB group is going to start that campaign. We're all about it. Oh, hey, he's, sure. I think he's the best shot of winning the Heisman out of any Tennessee quarterback. I truly believe that. Yeah, man. I mean, first off, you know, last week the special teams route, you know, worrying about our punt game, getting the ball off with the blocked punts and all the troubles. That didn't matter this week. You know, the ball staying off the field, Paxton Brooks having a free day. And that's the second time it's happened this season. I think the third time under Josh Heupel where, you know, our punters aren't even going out in there and having to punt. Like that goes with the aggressive mindset and just the overall offense and tempo and how successful we could be. But, you know, Hendon Hooker, man, like you said, 22 of 28, his rushing, leading the team in rushing as well. And then that big chunk in the passing game, like it came with different receivers. Let's not forget Cedric Tillman out this week. 
Brew McCoy finally comes alive on a 70-yard bomb that, you know, made Neyland erupt, then getting his first touchdown in the orange and white. Then you had another guy, Ramel Keaton, you know, taking in the you know, Cedric Tillman spot on that huge bomb and on a lot of balls. It was just, you know, great to see that overall, you know, the fact of, you know, being able to talk about our wide receiver group being the best wide receiver core in the SEC. You saw Jalen Hyatt, Ramel Keaton, Brew McCoy, Jimmy Callahan, some other guys getting involved early, man. And that was, you know, super great to see when the run game wasn't going off. And then I know our defense, you know, late, later in the game struggled a lot. But early on, man, that rush defense, besides Anthony Richardson doing what he does best, I feel like overall stopping the running backs, like that was the key part of the game in that game. Uh, seeing the defensive line, I think it was our best defensive line performance in, you know, all year maybe, maybe better than Pitt. Um, late in the game, the edge rushers really weren't there early. But, you know, Byron Young really was the reason we won that game on the last play of the game. And, you know, seeing him and Tyler Barron, you know, take that leadership role when the game mattered most, I thought that was huge, you know, getting us to win. So all in all, man, there's so many things to even dive into. But I think, you know, Hendon Hooker, Byron Young, and the, the defensive line, that's really what, you know, led us to victory. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that was the one thing that a lot of us were worried about back last around this time last week was that when we knew that, like, Tillman was more than likely not going to play um, – I mean, so what I was trying to tell you guys, I mean, like, this is the most talented depth of wide receivers I think Tennessee's had in a very long time. And, I mean, you know, I mean, it was a show-out day for not only Brew, but, man, Ramil Keaton as well. I mean, talk about how huge a grab that was at the end of the first half from that 60-yard bomb from Hooker within our own, you know, within our own 10 or 15-yard line. I mean, and, I, that, I mean, I think it just speaks volumes to what they – you know, Hypo and his group has been able to develop these guys into solid, reliable, you know, wideouts. Because that would have not been the case, I feel like, even two or three years ago. So, just huge. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, even even though we were 10-point favorites going into the game, still a huge win over Florida. But as we'll talk about later, a lot of things we got to correct up, and especially towards next week going towards LSU. Um, especially starting off with defense. I, I don't know. I'd love to hear your input on this, but I kind of thought our front seven was actually pretty damn good, like in mm -hmm. the sense of putting pressure on Anthony Richardson and forcing him out and use his legs. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, we only held him to 97 yards, I believe, a rushing yards total. But, my God, man, I've never thought I would ever say this in a million years, but when the hell is Warren Burrell coming back? Because <laughs> oh our, my DB, God, our DBs are dreadful, dude. I mean – we allowed 453 passing yards to Anthony Richardson. Like, yeah. like if someone if someone told us that last week's show, keep uh, Anthony Richardson's going to throw over 450 yards against Tennessee and be the sole reason keep Florida in the game. Everyone, all four of us, would have been laughing our asses off about it. So there is a, I mean, that is that's an extremely concerning uh, area that we have to fix on especially if we're going to want to go 10-2 this year because Will Levis, in my opinion, is still a much better quarterback than Anthony Richardson is. And Bryce Young and Stetson Bennett will just tear this defense to shreds if we you know, continue to have performances like that. But love to hear your thoughts on that, Brando. Oh, yeah. I mean, I never thought we'd say, you know, after everything, you know, been not trying to say his name on the show. The first time we're going to say, it, you know, bring back Warren Burrell. Like, I want Warren Burrell healthy. And it's kind of crazy because none of us even knew that he was really injured. Like, that was, like, never one of the big injuries when it was the running back room being banged up or, you know, the wide receivers with Cedric Tillman. Like, no one ever mentioned Warren Burrell. But apparently it came all the way back in the overtime and pit, the first series of that game. Like, apparently a, a receiver landed on top of him, maybe like a lower level extremity. So, who really knows what's going on there? But, man, like, I understand why they put him out there at first. Uh, obviously still lacking D Williams, who's just now fully getting healthy. It sounds like he's going to make an impact in the backfield and also punt returns whenever he's healthy for LSU. So that'll be a big body just to see what's going to happen with him on the other side of Christian Charles. Um, I definitely think you see guys like Brandon Turridge, uh, Kamal Hayden, like, you know, he came in clutch with the uh, interception, but it was probably his worst game in the orange and white, even though he did have like some game changing plays, like, even though he's having his worst game, like he was stepping up. And I think that's one of our biggest additions, you know, Juco into the hype of defense area, like Kamal Hayden's really living up to the hype and embracing the team. Um, I definitely think we'd need that veteran mindset back. I know Jalen McCullough's back there, but you definitely, I understand why they did it. Um, when we go to the face, these other teams, like going to play LSU, you have Kayshawn Boutte, long athletic wide receivers. When you play Alabama, I know their receiving core 
it's not what it's been like, but you know, guys on Bama, Georgia, LSU, like these are going to be really big tests for our defense to see how they come out. I know against Pitt, they were locked down and you know had game changing plays. We need those kinds of performances going into Baton Rouge and you know Athens later in the year. Yeah, no, I mean absolutely. Uh, it's just I think it's just one of those things. You know, I was listening to uh, Josh and Swain today, and mm -hmm. I kind of agree with Jason Swain a little bit in the sense where you know. When it comes to Tim Banks, I know a lot of people, and I heard a lot of people in the stands that were getting pissed off about our defense, yeah. you know, about Tim Banks sure. and everything. But honestly, though, I don't – Tim Banks isn't the issue. I mean, like, I feel like the schemes that they had and everything, the zone defense that they were playing, was relatively, like, the right calls and everything. Because and we were getting to Richardson, and we were stopping their run game. And we literally forced Anthony Richardson to use his arm to win the game. Mm. And, oh my God, he nearly did. But – I mean, the wideouts were getting so wide open, and I think it's just because of the talent difference between yeah. Florida's wideouts, which arguably are probably, I mean, what, fourth, fifth, sixth, maybe best as far as talent goes in the SEC. You know, I mean, we're, I, Tennessee definitely has at least top two as far as best wideouts go. But, like, if Florida's wideouts are getting that open that quick, then, my God, like, I'm, I'm very nervous about next Saturday. On how open LSU is going to get because LSU's got one of the best with Keyshawn Butte, one of the best. Oh man, country. So exactly that. Well, I think I think it comes, you know, with obviously the Tim Banks defense, you know, having to play with our tempo. Uh, guys, we don't the field a lot. The defense is on there a lot. Um, obviously the defensive back, you know, lack of depth. You know where we're at. You know, you have your veterans, but you know, still kind of getting you know Christian Charles feet wet. Brandon Turner still has to make that next level push. Still trying to get guys like Wesley Walker and Andre Tarantine playing to their full potential. Um, shout out to all the guys like, you know, Trayvon Flowers, he's a true leader for this team, but, you know, we've seen time and time again from Pitt and this past week, you know, he's getting out physically punished by wide receivers and, you know, tight ends and physical play, but he is that leader still on defense also making big plays, but, you know, to get ran over like that, that's, you know, concerning to see, I think obviously you have to, you know, point to next year's recruiting class, 2023, you got Jordan Matthews, Christian Conyers, Ricky Gibson, um, in the safety position, John Slaughter, Jack Luttrell. And those bodies are going to come. Um, obviously, this defense, you know, the corners, they have to go out there and make more plays in their one-on-one -on -one coverage. I think, you know, this defense is kind of built to go off our offense and play at a big 12 kind of defensive pace where your edge rushers are supposed to be dominant. You want your corners to make that plays and hop in front of balls, um, you know, be locked down in defense and stop teams from getting big plays. But whenever we give up those short plays, like you can't lie, those gaps were wide open. Seeing it up there in KK, like you could literally see – just throwing it across the middle to Ricky Pascal or, you know, <laughs> freshman. It was just number one, especially. And I think number three, those outside quick balls, you know, that's what Pitt did getting the screens out there. That's what, you know, Ball State and uh, Akron, you know, they, you know, whenever they threw the ball quick, they were trying to get it out quick. And I think that's kind of like a flaw with our defense. Um, you know, Bama and Georgia, like we said, you know, when they throw it out there quick, they're going to make those cuts and make the big plays with that talent that they have. And, you know, you have to get on it quick. I think you have to, get better at the tackle for loss. I know it's one of our best trades for defense, but, you know, hitting someone behind the line and getting those big, you know, plays for loss early is what's going to set up this defense. But, man, like our third down defense, I think it was, what, seven for 15. I think Florida was 100% on fourth downs. Uh was absolutely crazy. They were uh, they five. Very, yeah. Five, yeah, so it's still, still crazy, like a crazy percentage. And then they could have easily, you know, kicked the field goal. Uh, not went for two, just kicked the extra point, and then, you know, been set up for a field goal to take the game into overtime. But that's just, I think, Billy Napier kind of knowing where his team was at currently right now and saying that if I'm going to go out here and win this game, like I got to, one, play against this offensive tempo. Because I think mid-game you saw Billy Napier say, I have to be able to keep up. I have to change my whole game plan to keep up with this team. And, you know, going out there and trying to win the whole game kind of backfired on them. I think, obviously, you take that to overtime, you have no idea where that game turns. But, you know. Tennessee got the W, and that's kind of all that matters. But I think that was a coaching my practice on their part. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, I think you could also make the same argument with towards Josh Heupel as far as coaching malpractice, especially with that last offensive drive. Yeah. You know, I understand the logic of, I mean, you know, looking at the chart and the percentages, like going go full on Butch Jones, Billy Napier, where you're trying to play smart football. But, like, in games like this, like, you got to you gotta just – put your foot on the gas, like all 60 minutes. And really what he should have done is like, we should have just kept on just 
playing offense as we did that entire second half and try to get another score because yeah. that actually wound up almost biting us in the ass, and we nearly lost that game because of that. Um, my biggest te- takeaway, though, where – and we'll talk about this. I guess the next topic we can talk about is area concerns that we have and what we want to see as far as improvement goes from this bye week when we go on towards LSU next Saturday. Uh, the missed tackles, man. Holy oh, man. shit. The missed tackles are absolutely absurd, especially – on that first first touchdown from Florida, I'm pretty sure that slot wide out like yeah. went through 15 missed tackles getting the end zone. I mean, it, like it's just ran over Trayvon Flowers, bro. Like just, it was I just mean, crazy. It, it was just abysmal. And I mean, you know, and I feel like that just go like I said, it goes back down to as far as physicality and a talent perspective. Where if you want to know why we're recruiting so heavily on defensive backs and defensive linemen, last Saturday is why. Because oh, when yeah. you have a rotation of about three or four guys that are equally all good, decently, as in the rotate, you know, you don't, there's not a big, huge difference, you know, from your starters to your backups. And I think you saw that a lot for our defensive line, especially last Saturday when you had Joshua Josephs and, you know, a couple oh, other guys. Well, yeah. I mean, those guys are straight up ballers. I mean, like, you know, they're going to be huge for us within the next couple of years as well. But, man. The missed tackles from the secondary, especially. I mean, my God. Like that, I feel like that's one area of improvement that we especially got to work on going towards it before we go to Baton Rouge next weekend. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on where you think we need to improve as well. Oh, man. I feel like, first off, if we would have looked at all of our problems defensively and all the gaps, and then you would have told me that, you know, we can point all of these things out, but we have two weeks to fix it. Um, I think that's, you know, the biggest part. You know, you get a bye week and then you get another week to do that. Um, what I was most surprised about is that, you know, Jeremy Banks and Jawan Mitchell playing 98% of the linebacker snaps. You didn't really see, you know, the guy that's been, you know, one of our best linebackers all year, Aaron Beasley. He wasn't on the field that much, as much as I thought he would have been, um, you know, pairing him up with Solon Page, guys you were expecting to see. I thought that was wild to see. I mm-hmm. thought that was huge for Jawan Mitchell to finally get his first big game uh, to play that many snaps. I know he was lacking a little bit on like, you know, running it with the option, but on other parts, he was there, like, playing just an important role, just as good as Banks was. So that was huge. Um, to say that our linebackers are probably playing more sturdy than our defensive backs, I would not have thought about that. Just by, like, a, a on-paper kind of performance looking at things and seeing how stacked it was, you know, the additions in the offseason. Um, I definitely think you have to, you know, figure out that spacing. Um, you have to see if you're going to get a guy like D. Williams back this week that's going to be able to play a contributing part. You got to, you know, maybe if, you know, I think this would be the week even though it's a really big opponent in LSU, you haven't really, you know, mixed up and let those young guys go out there, ball out and play, see what you got, man. Like, you know, if you have to play, you know, rotate more than you're used to rotating, put in a guy like Christian Charles, let him play more snaps than he's used to. If D Williams can play on the opposite side of him, see if that can be an ongoing rotation. Uh, Brandon Turnage, man, he had, Brandon Turnage has to get better. We haven't seen a performance from him as good since, you know, last year's South Carolina game where he was the SEC defensive player of the week. I want to see him come back and make a, you know, a p- important thing on here. And then Kamal Hayden, I think he needs to, you know, continue his dominance and be a huge part because he's been, you know, lighting fire, I think, on that position. So if those guys can have big games, I definitely think overall it's really just, the, you know, the DBs. Like we talk about Rodney Garner. He finally has a grasp on his D-line, you know, seeing Tyree West, Amari Thomas, you know, Byron Young, and, you know, James Pierce, Joshua Josephs you know, Tyler Barron, like, it's just been, you know, crazy to see that kind of growth in the last year. But if our DBs, you know, come out and make plays, you know, get some interceptions off the ball and off speed, these receivers that we're going to play against LSU, not just Kayshawn Butte, but they're long, they're lengthy, they, they have speed, man. And, you know, LSU is known as wide receiver U for most people. So it's going to be a real test. You really, I mean, I'm, I mean, I agree with you with everything you said, but you really truly believe switching up the rotation starting next Saturday is a really good idea. That is not I, completely. I, I'm not saying completely, but you got to get like more snaps for a guy like Wesley Walker, who I mean, in that I mean, pit game, fourth and 13, Wesley Walker, you know, gets the fourth down stop. He comes off the edge. He makes a great hit as a spy safety. That guy, he deserves more playing time. He was a good veteran at Georgia Tech. I definitely think that, you know, maybe it's just, you know, a learning curve for him right now. But that's a guy that probably should be on the field. I mean, maybe, maybe not. But, like, the last thing I want, though, is, like, because I do believe that Christian Charles is going to wind up being a decent player for us at some point this year. But the last thing I want is, like, throwing that guy into the fucking fire and having to face LSU's wide receiver unit, which is probably, outside of Tennessee and Alabama, is the best in the league. 
for sure. And because that is going to like completely kill his confidence. And realistically, if we're going to be honest here, probably the earliest game that you're going to see a lot of those different rotations as far as like DBs go, and you know, on on you know, even on the offensive side of the ball, it's probably going to be UT Martin, like which is about three weeks from now. And I mean, the reason I say that is because like we play Alabama the week after, and sure as hell don't want to have do any different types of rotations for the Alabama game either. So it's it's great that we have the bye week, but also at the same time, it just sucks that we have to start off with LSU and Alabama back-to-back. But huge thing, though, is that we're 4-0. For sure. Huge, huge eighth in the country. First time we've been eighth since 2006. First time back in the top ten since 2016. And Brando – I know you're yeah. going to like this fact right here. Uh-huh. First time Tennessee has started 4-0 while beating okay. two ranked teams. The last time we did that, 98. 98. I literally just posted that. Huh? Yeah. So, say what you want. Are we back? I don't know. That's a possibility. Probably not, actually. But, and back to what we were talking about there, realistically, the secondary's got improved. Missed tackles got improved. Also, you know, like – You'll, you'll probably disagree with this. I also feel like our running game needs to improve as well because I feel like it's all way too reliant on on Hinn and Hooker. I mean, you know, I know that Jalen Wright and Jabari both got touchdowns as well, but, like, realistically, I mean, they weren't really doing that much when we were playing again last weekend against Florida as far as opening up the field. I mean, they were getting two or three yards here and there, but, like, it was really – we're completely reliant on Hinn and Hooker, and they got to find a way to be able – to get a better rotation. I don't know if with Dylan Sampson being back, that probably might open up things a little bit, maybe. Uh, I mean, I think LSU's defensive, like, front seven's not necessarily the best, so it might be a good opportunity for all three of those running backs. But uh, I feel like we got to improve the running game, though, honestly. Yeah, I mean, whenever the season opens happened against Ball State, I didn't really think, you know, going into, you know, week four or five, that it would be the concern of, you know, the running back room. Obviously, you look everywhere where Hype would have been before, the, the carries he gives his running back and, you know, the depths of three or four running backs in his system was obvious. It's happened everywhere of, you know, the fourth string guy, at least having 35 or 40 carries for himself. Um, I think it obviously at the point to a lack of depth, you know, you got Jalen Wright, you got Jabari Small, uh, you lost Tyon Evans, you got new guys like Dylan Sampson who got his feet wet against Akron, Justin Williams, Thomas, you know, he got himself in the action, but not many people think he's ready to go yet. So, you know, you got maybe three guys right now you can trust, uh, you know, beneath Whitehead, hurt early. You know, Lynn J. Dixon gone like we never knew him. So, you know, all in all, like they tried their best to add to that, you know, make it a more, you know, threatening running back room. But I think that's why you saw against Pitt, you know, the, the quick passes to Jalen Hyatt for him having those quick catches for, you know, 200 yards almost. And then, you know, not being able to get the running game going. Um, yeah, Jabari Small and Jalen Wright, you know, they got to the end zone, the checkerboards this week. That was really great to see. But I definitely think there's room for improvement. I'm not sure. I haven't done any research on LSU's rush defense. But I know uh, offensively, their uh, left guard, their starting left guard broke his hand in practice today. And that uh, offensive line was, one, already atrocious. So, you know, that would be crazy. But going back to the running back room, I definitely think it's, you know, a lack of depth. Uh, guys are, you know, they're getting their feet wet. And if a guy, I think the only guy on our team right now, you know, Dylan Sampson, he has that home running hitting ability to, you know, what we saw in Tyon Evans last year. If that happens this week against LSU, I don't know. But I definitely think he needs to make his way in this rotation. And, you know, Jerry Mack even said after the Pittsburgh game and the Akron game that he's a guy he can put out there and trust now. It's just about getting him 100% ready. So I think that'll be, you know, huge to see how we go forward. Just with not knowing where Cedric Tillman is at, you know, that rush game has to be key. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before people realize what's going on, if they just tuned in, uh, we do have Bear from Fox Sports Knoxville join us in the next few minutes. Very excited, very hyped up about that. But before we talk about that, though, Brando, you're the guy who knows all about the recruiting nugs. Oh, we my know that this God. This was a massive recruiting weekend, recruiting W for Tennessee. Probably the best atmosphere of Neyland Stadium Brother. in over 20 years. Let's hear the nugs, baby. What are the recruiting nugs? What are the kids saying? What are they feeling? We got oh, I mean, I think this is probably the biggest, you know, recruiting – uh, advantage weekend, you know, game day weekend for the kids to see since I don't even know, maybe Ole Miss last year. Uh, just the environment that I saw, you know, personally saw and then seeing all the reaction, you know, I was at the Vol shop, saw Kendrick Folk, who I didn't even see on the recruiting list, you know, the four-star defensive lineman committed to Florida State right now that Tennessee has been heavily after. The Rodney Garner effect, he was in town. 
um, you know, on an unofficial. The two official visitors for the 2023 class, four-star offensive lineman, Vice and Lang out of uh, Alabama. You know, that's a huge four-star prospect that Tennessee's after heavily. Uh, you know, after his visit to Tennessee, you know, he had a couple of TikToks, was taken in the environment, said it was one of the best environments he's ever seen. He received crystal balls from Steve Wolfong and Ryan Callahan on 24-7 Sports. So that would be a huge addition to the offensive lineman class with Sham Uberov and uh, Aiden Boussel. Talk about adding to that offensive line. It's a definitely a much-needed thing with mm-hmm. Darnell Wright maybe leaving this year, you know, Jerome Carvin maybe leaving this year, and, you know, not knowing where, you know, Cooper Mays is going to do himself. So, you know, offensive line, definitely a huge part. On the defensive lineman, five-star defensive lineman, David Hobbs, had his first official visit with Tennessee. He was absolutely blown away. I don't know if y'all saw, but when Kamal Hayden, he had that game-winning interception, he went and took that ball into the end zone, and right behind him was uh, David Hobbs waving his, you know, Tennessee pom-pom, was going crazy, taking in the environment. He absolutely loved it. The North Carolina native, uh, Tennessee-Alabama-Georgia battle right now. Um, when you hear about, you know, being involved with those teams, a definitely big, important, you know, important recruit. You know, you want to win those battles against those teams. I think Tennessee's in a great spot there. Sounds like he's going to be back for the Alabama game in three weeks. So that'll be a huge environment, you know, battling Alabama for his recruitment. He saw the environment for the first time himself. So getting him back, that's going to be huge. Uh, Besides those three guys, you know, defensively and uh, going forward, you know, looking in the future, 2024 class, it was an absolute crazy weekend probably for that guy. Um, You had a lot of recruits in there, Mario Carver. Just a crazy amount of lists. And I think this 2024 class is going to look like a top five class. It's just absolutely insane. Uh, it sounds like, you know, Mario Crover, the 2024 wide receiver, top 25 receiver ranked in the 2024 class. He received a crystal ball from an OU insider who was, a, you know, an OU Alabama and Tennessee race. And he has a countdown on his story for this Friday, I believe. So a decision could be coming soon after a good crystal ball for the Vols. If Tennessee can land a 2024 wide receiver without having, you know, you got Jonathan Nichols, you got Carson Gentle in that class right now. You know, Jonathan Nichols is going to be, you know, a top five tight end in that class. You add to the wide receiver room, that's just more weapons coming in for Nico. That's, you know, going to be in Nico's sophomore year. So it's looking really crazy. Um, you know, that was a huge weekend for Florida. I think, you know, that win can definitely get you back involved with some guys in the 2023 class that, you know, you might not be involved with. And the rumors are already making their way around that, you know, for the Alabama game, that Nico's going to be back in town, and he's going to be bringing some friends, Drew. Have you heard of the rumor? Uh, I, that's the first time I've heard it. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So it, so, it sounds like Nico is going to be in town on the Bama game with a five-star offensive lineman, Francis Malgoa. So that would be a huge, huge visit. You know, the Miami commit, Tennessee was heavily involved there. Um, if Tennessee can get back in there, I saw, you know, on France's recent Instagram post, he was throwing around some orange emojis, man, some oranges. So it sounds like, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go play at Miami either. I don't know if y'all saw the videos and the pictures online, but you know, one, they lost to MTSU and two in the first quarter, their arena was literally empty. Their home sideline had no one in there. And in that same week, Tennessee had 101,915 packed out in orange and white. So I just definitely think that this win was huge all in all for recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of guys, you know, weren't giving you a, a serious look. Get back on that cell phone. Josh Hype will say, like, look at me now. Look what I just did. And that's going to be huge going forward. Obviously, you got to handle business with LSU, Bama, Georgia, you know, compete there. But, you know, we started off, you know, at Skyblocks Bar and Grill, hashtag ad. And, uh, you know, our season predictions, you know, mm-hmm. nine and three, eight and four. Drew, 10 and 2 doesn't sound too crazy now. And if you do that, not only does it help you on the field and get into a bowl game with the program itself, but recruiting, you want to talk about kickstarting recruiting? That's how you do it. And I mean, I completely agree with that. I would I would honestly argue right now, even though I predicted nine and three, and I think we could I think a lot of us will have been thrilled about a nine and three record back in August. But oh, sure. I would actually argue right now that 10 and 2 is the floor. I think I think that's actually the bare minimum that we're going to do. Because, I mean, the lot of things that we have to improve on, these are things that can be worked on and can be fixed. I mean, we know that our defense isn't going to be amazing. But we also know that no one's going to be able to stop our offense. And I think a huge thing as well is that Georgia doesn't look unbeatable anymore, especially after how they played against Kent State. I mean, they allowed 22 points to Kent fucking State. Oh, yeah. I couldn't even tell you who Kent State is. But – 
I think honestly, with like as much depth and talent that we have on offense, like I mean, ten and two is not crazy. And if you go ten and two, you're talking about a New Year's Six Bowl. Whether if it's going to be a Sugar Bowl, I've seen predictions with the Orange Bowl potentially, yeah. maybe with Clemson, which I think would be huge. And I quite personally think would be the living hell out of Clemson. Mm-hmm. And that is massive recruits, especially considering that we went from back in two years ago to have 27, 28 players in the portal, three and seven record, and you turn around and you take Tennessee to their first New Year's Six Bowl or first Orange Bowl in 25 years or first Sugar Bowl in 30. Who, and with that offense, what offensive player would not want to be part of that? I mean, honestly. I mean, especially after last weekend, what wide receiver literally. would not – would not want to be part of that. So just, I mean, these are unbelievable times. I mean, I'd never thought in a million years that Hypo would be able to turn around as fast as he did. But, uh, man, dude's unbelievable. Bro, so you mentioned, like, you know, the departures like that. But this year, you know, Tennessee finally wrapping up the NCAA investigation, putting that in their past. Last year, you know, all the additions that they had, they were kind of, you know, like playing chess with what you could do in the transfer portal. This year, now that we mentioned it and, you know, on the field and what we've done on the field and other guys in the nation taking notice where all these coaches are, you know, getting, you know, fired and all that in mm-hmm. SEC, you know, or whatever. Like, I definitely think you, you see Tennessee this year raid that transfer portal action or that JUCO action, and, you know, not miss out like they did last year. They definitely, you know, get people that they could have, you know, definitely landed just because of what they're putting out on the field. And that blueprint is definitely insane because, you know, you should just be able to be like, oh, I'm going to bring this, you know, where, where I was, at, you know, Missouri and UCF. Now you're doing it at Tennessee, and, you know, they're going to take notice playing the SEC and seeing that environment. You got old Lane Kiffin over there talking about how he can't fill up a stadium for a top 25 matchup. Well, you got 101-915 showing up every week now. So I just think that's a, a huge, huge thing, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely unbelievable. Like I said, told you guys um, after the game, that was one of the best, probably the best atmosphere I've ever been a part of. I think it was personally better even than the Ole Miss game last year, as crazy as that one was. It just – it was – everything about it was just unreal. I've never heard it so loud in my life. Oh, man. And I just – you know, we obviously we talk about that being a huge, huge momentum swing. Like, if we go out there in the Baton Rouge and take care of business at a late 11 a.m. kickoff, we haven't talked about that. Getting that lucky, getting that, you know, noon kickoff, that's huge. You know, never want to play nighttime in Baton Rouge. Um, if you win that game, you're coming in for a potentially, you know, we talked about in the chat, a top five, mm-hmm. top ten matchup, definitely, between Bama and Tennessee for the first time, you know, in how long. So, I just, you know, the ticket prices are already up to, you know, $1,200 for lower levels. I think it's, you know, it's getting ridiculous in Knoxville. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've, you know, I mean, I remember back a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, you'd be able to get a ticket for, like, the South Carolina game for $15, you know, day, begging you to be up there. And now – Cheapest ticket, even for even for the Kentucky game now, is one hundred and eighty dollars on Ticketmaster. It's just, it's unbelievable. It's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, UT Martin. I was I was trying to buy tickets to that game. I'm like, maybe the you know the out of conference game that'll be a good game to go to take the fam to. Lower levels are already at eighty five dollars plus after taxes, a hundred dollars each. So just crazy. Um, yeah, man. But that's what that's just what shows you where the program is, man. How healthy it is. You know, maybe not as us as fans trying to scalp each other, but. You know, it's because of the product on the field and what's good, you know, the healthy environment. So that's just all good news. Do we got Bear here? Is he on yeah, he's, yeah, he's in here. All right, let's get him in here. You want to do the introduction, my fellow man, Drew? All right, so we got one of my favorite people, the guy that kind of started the legend himself, my mentor from a good old fan <laughs> run, Fox Sports Nautica, Bear. What's happening, buddy? What's going on? What's happening, fellas? Oh, Dave, we are just uh, just reminiscing and recapping from last Saturday. As you know, first win over the Gators, and you know, since 2016, second win over them since 2004. Unbelievable atmosphere, unbelievable game. Just kind of want to get your thoughts on Vols finally getting that monkey off their back against Florida and being four and zero for the first time since 2016. Uh, it's it's something else, and I mean, I'm a lot, quite a bit older than you guys, and. I mean, I've had what, let's see, in my life, I mean, the three, or, yeah, three in the 90s, and now uh, three in the 2000s, Um, so you're talking like six times out of my lifetime that I can remember, you know, we've never had a whole lot of sustained, consistent success against them, Mm -hmm. Um, 
we didn't play him for a good chunk of it, but you know, it's, it was an incredible weekend, uh, an incredible game. And, um, for a lot of the old heads, you know, we all noticed that we beat Florida this time in a lot of the same ways that Spurrier used to be to beat Tennessee back in the nineties. Uh, we talked about it on our daily show on the drive, uh, this week, just the, he hypo dictates the terms to the opposing team. You know, I, I think that's why you saw Napier go just absolutely full throttle, uh, which I thought was at times reckless and a couple of moments where he may have cost himself a shot at, at pulling the upset on us. So, For sure. um, but just with, uh, you know, there's only really two teams on our schedule that, you know, going into it, they've got the horses, so to speak, and the, you know, the players to slow us down on offense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's been a long, long time since I've seen a, a Tennessee offense that, it's just this overpowering. So that was my initial thought. It was just trying to figure out is Florida's defense that bad? Is our offense that good? Um, is it somewhere in the middle? I think it might be like a little bit of a mixture of the two. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think Florida's defense was necessarily that bad, but man, when you have like the depth that we do at wide receiver and, I mean, just as fast as it is. I mean, even for teams last year, like even against Alabama, they were struggling to, you know, to stay with us. So I think, I mean, it's like what I told Brando. I think this is the best Tennessee offense I've seen in my lifetime, at least in my 24 years, which obviously isn't saying much. But Hinton Hooker might be the best quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime as well. I mean, that guy was the sole reason that we last Saturday and has every right to be in the Heisman, uh, Heisman contention right now. Well, I, the, the the other thing, that, and I don't think a lot of people understand, um, it, it's not – I mean, Hendon's an incredible talent. Uh, if he continues on this way, I mean, it's it's not going to be any shock at all. If I, I don't think that he's going to be able to win it. Uh, I don't I haven't recognized the trophy since 97 since they cheated Peyton out of it, but he's probably going to get invited to New York, barring some something unforeseen. But, uh, you know, this offense with is we run in the hypo offense, they run a ton of what's called option rounds. But to be able to pull that off, not only, you know, to do you've got the receivers making their read and then Hooker has to make the same read and everybody has to be on the same page for this thing to work. And, you know, when it's working as well as it is right now for us, they're in a groove. The last time we had that level of um, communication between the quarterback and the receivers at all times, you'd have to go back to Peyton. And, like, Peyton and Joey Joey Kent, Marcus Nash, um, that bunch, mm-hmm. where when they stepped up to the line, they could take a look at the defense, look at each other, and with very little signals at all, they knew exactly where where to attack and then did it. So it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I think it's crazy how, like, quick they've adapted. You know, I know it's going into year two, but just seeing how they've doing, uh, done it. Alex Golish, I thought he called a crazy good of a game. You know, I know Heupel has the final input, but Alex Golish, I thought he's been a crazy addition. I know this offseason teams are going to be after him like they were last year. And then pointing back, I know we don't want to recognize, you know, the Heisman Trophy after how they did Peyton. But, you know, going forward, if Hendon even is invited, not only does that help, you know, guys coming in like Nico, but, you know, the 2024 class going after guys like Jaden Daniels, Drew McIntyre. I know, you know, looking forward. just But kids are going to take notice of that, you know, modern day, uh, you know, pointing back to the Florida comment. You know, I've only known 2016 and now 2022 for the times winning those games. But winning a game like we did Saturday. The kids in the future, I know it was only a few 2023s, but 2024, 2025 and going on, I think that's a monumental win on the recruiting trail for the guys. So, Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Bears. You've obviously have seen, experienced a lot of unbelievable atmospheres in Neyland Stadium, even way back in the days, Johnny Majors, especially in the glorious 90 years as well. Where do you think that atmosphere on Saturday, as far as watching it, I don't know if you were there at the game or not, but even just watching from TV, where do you think that ranks up as far as the atmosphere in Neyland Stadium? 
Uh, I mean, it, it's up there. It's there's no better, uh, better looking setting. Um, I mean, just incredible. Uh, the color and just everything with the checker Neyland and how everything looks in there now. Um, I've been in there for some games. The problem is, you know, and it's, it's again, something that, that we've, you know, people around town have noticed is with the addition of that club uh, section right there. And was it like section R and S mm-hmm. up there on the, on the West side of the stadium, that's dropped the overall volume level in there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the games that I've been to, um, Anybody that was there, the the nineteen, the two biggest nights I could, I didn't get to go to the ninety eight game. I watched that one on TV, so I can't speak to that. But the ninety win over Florida was an insane night in there. Um, but for me, the most insane game I ever went to at Neyland Stadium was ninety two Florida game. Uh, there was a, you know, a freak thunderstorm over the stadium. I believe in the late in the maybe late in the third quarter early in the fourth uh we had the monsoon um the you can go back uh you can look up the game on youtube there gets there there's a point when we started rolling on them in 92 where uh the, the picture on tv i mean you can't you can't see the field because the stadium's shaking so bad mm-hmm. that the cameras were shaking so that's the loudest i've ever seen it right um just insane but yeah i mean it's a huge advantage i heard you guys talking about lane kiffin and i can't believe i'm gonna say this but you know i read the article and it's not that he can't fill a stadium it's that down there uh the fans you know you've got the grove and i think they said some bar and something else so they straggle into the stadium and then they leave at halftime to go party more, and then they don't come back. You know, whereas at Tennessee, I mean, the whole focus of being there is the game. Yeah. It's not the party or anything else going on. So and that's the difference between Ole Miss and Tennessee. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I mean, I think a lot of people already knew in the first place that we had a better, I mean, a better fan base as far as consistency and filling up the stadiums. I mean, hell, we fill up the stadium for damn Derek Dooley and Jeremy Pruitt and Butch Jones. So, I mean, but just to be able to consistently, again, get 100,000 in there. I mean, not even just for Florida, but, like, even Akron. I mean, I mean, you're talking about even taking in now, you know, Alabama games for deck Kentucky's now $200 even UT Martins get up to 100 bucks a ticket it's just I've never experienced anything anything like this in my lifetime and it's just it's unbelievable and the turnaround that Josh Heupel's had is just I mean it's just been nothing but short of amazing um what was one takeaway for you like to we were talking about this little areas of concern obviously a huge bye week for us big game next weekend against LSU um what is like the one area of concern you think obviously Tennessee needs to work and improve on, whether it was the missed tackles, the fourth down defense, third down defense? I, I guess the, the biggest concern for me, um, before we get into some of, you know, like the play, um, like problems with the defense and stuff, uh, the bye week came at a great time. I think Hooker came out of that game probably – extremely sore borderline hurt mm-hmm. um he took that one big hit with that three 350 pounder coming down on him um we, you know my biggest concern is we're starting to get a little dinged up we're hitting that portion of the season you know we get tillman out he may or may not have had that <clears throat> is it that procedure where they go in and and take some kind of surgical uh cord and Mm-hmm. you know, pull the, pull the two bones together and it's got like a two week recovery period. Uh, we need Dylan Sampson. He was obviously didn't play Saturday. We really need him healthy because we're now we're getting into the part of the schedule where, you know, LSU, Georgia and Alabama coming up and these guys, I mean, we saw it last year with Georgia, uh, Javante had that, had the big touchdown. And then you saw it. It was like, what the next series they had him out. Mm-hmm. Completely clean. I mean, these guys, I mean, Alabama, dirty and one of the most physical football teams in the country, Georgia, incredibly physical. So 
Um, I mean, as far as the team goes, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious to everybody that we aren't, we don't have the most talented secondary. So it's going to come down to whether or not Banks and Heupel can scheme and do enough uh, to keep us in games to where the offense can have a shot at outscoring the other team. I think it's going to be incredibly hard against Alabama and Georgia to pull it off. Yeah, LSU and Kentucky are the two where um, those are going to be the two swing games between eight and four and ten and two. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree there. You know, with the running game, you know, it has to find its identity. I know the the lack of depth is kind of concerning. I know Tennessee put out that graphic earlier this week. I think it was number one in the nation total offense per game, number two in the nation for uh, passing yards in the game. So you know. That kind of, you know, points to what Hendon Hooker's done on the field, but obviously our lack of running backs. Uh, Dylan Sampson being banged up, I definitely want to see him, you know, get touches against LSU, not just because he's from Baton Rouge, but I feel like he's kind of that guy on this roster that I heard Bear kind of say on the drive today. He has that home run hit ability, or at least I think so with his speed. I know he's up there with Squirrel Wright right now, was like one of the fastest players on the team. So if we can see that guy get involved in the backfield, I know, you know, Justin Williams Thomas, he's not really kind of ready yet, but if we can get that going, that would be huge. Uh, Cedric Tillman, they said, you know, they're kind of hopeful to see him play. That would be huge for the wide receiver room. But if they don't think so, I would rather kind of keep him just for Bama. Uh, I feel like we saw enough this week against Florida that I think Ventro Miller was definitely noticeable. That Florida defense is really good. Nothing to see our guys go out there and our receivers run free like they did. Yeah, it was a lot of miscommunication, but Rue McCoy, Ramel Keaton, Jalen Hyatt, I think we'd be fine with those guys. But it starts with the running game. And I think I'm going to agree with the guys at Fan Run and everyone else kind of speaking. Do we miss Warren Burrell right now on the defensive side of the ball? Well, I think the answer to everybody's question from a few weeks ago is, why do they keep starting Warren Burrell? I think we we all know now why they kept starting Warren Burrell because, you know, as bad as, as uh, Warren played at times, it, you know, it was pretty obvious – Saturday, we were lost at times back there. So, um, but as far as like Dylan Sampson, Squirrel White, and those you mentioned, those guys, you know, hopefully they'll be. Re- I'm not sure if those guys are going to be ready to step up this year in the the two biggest games, which are Georgia and Alabama. But you're going to have to have um, your guys, your speed guys on the team, ready to make big time plays to keep you in games against the Georgias and Alabamas. So, because, I mean, as Alabama and Georgia, they are – they have speed all over the field. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to – I, you, you might see a bust. You know, we saw it last year with Alabama on a couple of plays. But Georgia specifically has so much speed that, it you know, they can recover. If they have a bust, they can recover in time to make a play on the ball. So – um yeah i mean i think as well like especially against like georgia like you're not going to be able just to outscore them like you i mean you just can't i mean like we we still don't necessarily even have the depth yet as far as the offensive line goes to be able to compete compete with them in that sense but the secondary has got to improve in the sense that they got to be able to get get the opposition on you know off the field and I think they might have a better shot with Alabama just because I haven't really necessarily been that impressed by their offense. And I just feel like Georgia's been more of a click as far as, like, you know, just as far as how fast that they play and their offenses, you know, has gone compared to Alabama. But, um, I mean, out of the two, Bear, which game? And, I mean, it's probably going to be an obvious answer, but do you think, like, do you think we have a better shot of winding up beating Alabama or beating Georgia this year? I mean, we talked about this and debated it and debated it. Um, probably Bama, as crazy as that sounds. I just think that Georgia's, you know, that much better on – I mean, it's 6-1, half a dozen of another. Alabama's a really well-coached yet hard-hitting, borderline dirty, if not one of the dirtiest, you know, defenses, nastiest defenses – uh, to play against him, mean, he shot in that Texas game. I mean, that was a thing of beauty, but he mean, he took Quinn Ewers out. Mm-hmm. So it's something that, you know, Hooker's going to have to be aware of. I mean, he should be. He had four teeth yeah. knocked out against him last year. Um, but at the end of the – you know, but then you get into the whole – obviously Alabama's 
quarterback play with Young is just light years beyond what Stetson Bennett can do, but Young isn't surrounded with as good a talent as he's had the first couple of years. So, I mean, either one, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough, tough ask, you know. We were talking today, I, I feel like our goal should be to get to 10-2 and two this year. Um, I'm telling you right now, that Kentucky game is not going to be easy. They play really, really good defense. They're very disciplined. You saw that in the Florida game. We kind of tried to do what Kentucky did. It's just our defense is not uh, definitely on the back end. is is nowhere near as disciplined or as, or as talented. So I don't count them out. I mean, it's we got four really rough games uh, that are going to decide whether we go. Like I said, ten and two or eight and four. I think it's really crazy how Kentucky plays their competition. Uh, we saw this week with Northern Illinois, like that game was, you know, a one score game in the final uh, earlier in the year, you know, Miami, Ohio. And I think I forgot it was Youngtown State or something. They played really close. Like there were a few catches from making that game a one score game. And, you know, just seeing them play to their level of competition, you know, they're going to go out there. They beat Florida. You know, they're going to play us tough, obviously, when they come to Neyland. But I definitely think that's a game that's, you know, winnable. Um, going back to the Bama game, you know, which one's going to be more winnable with Bama and Georgia? I just think that right now with what Georgia, you know, with their tight ends, I think we saw Bama kind of get exposed to the Texas game. I saw a crazy stat and it said Alabama's last five true road games, a one-point win against Texas, a two-point win at Auburn, a 40-point win at Mississippi State, a three-point loss at Texas A&M, and a two-point win at Florida. So I know a lot of it, you know, with their defense is, you know, not as crazy good as it has been defensive back-wise. Uh, this year, not really, you know, crazy stacked at wide receiver, kind of seeing Bryce Young kind of get tested. If that happens, you know, coming to Neyland, if we take care of business against LSU, I promise you that place is going to be just sold out like it was this past weekend. And I can promise you that place is going to be loud too. So I just can't imagine if, you know, if we can play them close. We saw it last year when we went down there and played them close and just, you know, lost it in the fourth quarter because of depth. If we can, you know, get that punch early and you go up early, you know, the team has lacked in the first quarter earlier this year, but, you know, going into the second quarter, third quarter, we saw this past week, that 99-yard drive, like we're, you know, getting points when it matters. So I just think that we might have a chance to compete. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the the thing about it is if you're going to have a shot at beating either one of those two teams, you have to play all four. Um, you saw it last year. We, we hung with Alabama, went toe-to-toe with them, punch for punch. And then we ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. The next thing you know, they, you know, they beat you by 28. So same thing with Georgia. You're going to have to, we're going to have to score. You got to get points almost every possession, even be, to even have a chance to, to be in the game at the end. So, um, but you know, all that being said, this is in, just incredibly fun, isn't it? The, Bear, I remember two years ago when you and I, I think it was the Monday after the Kentucky game, just I think that was probably an all-time low as far as Vol fans going 34-7, to losing them at home, getting whooped like a redheaded stepchild, just absolute massacre. And I mean, and, you know, even struggling to Arkansas at home and things like this, and now to be a top-10 team, actually – Think about not, you know, being a fairy tale land, but actually realistically talking about a ten and two record and potentially playing a New Year's six ball is it's unbelievable. I mean, this must have been what it was like, you know, during the Johnny Majors and Phil Former era, because this is I mean, this is awesome. So I could definitely understand. Oh yeah. I mean, it's getting uncharted territory. There's nothing better than New Orleans on New Year's. Um, the last time we played in the Sugar Bowl, I was what, a sophomore at UT? Is that soft freshman or sophomore? Sophomore year, ninety, the ninety Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. I I can't. It's it's that's how long it's been. I, I can't remember exactly which year it was, but um, ninety ninety one. Um, but it was. I mean, it's just it, it's incredible. It's so much fun, and to think that you know we've got a shot at getting there. You know, we had a shot to get there in sixteen. And they stumbled going, you know, down the stretch, losing South Carolina, losing to Vanderbilt. Um, and you just – you don't get many shots at this. So, uh, I'm just hoping for the – you know, mainly for the guys and for the coaches. They put in so much hard work. You want to you wanna see them succeed as far as they, you know, 
as as good as they can just because you know it's it, it's a reward so but yeah it's an, it's an incredible feeling as the fan i'll say if you would have told me after lsu won their national championship was probably one of the best teams in college football that in two years tennessee would be the number eight team jeremy Pruitt would be fired we'd have one of the probably best offensive minded coaches in all of college football and we'd be going into death valley four and oh beating florida in year two under the new coach like i'd be calling you like saying like that's the guy that's going to be like our guys can, you know, be able to lead this program in the right direction. And not only doing that, but how we talked about before bear joint, you know, losing 27 plus guys, all guys are just left the program and didn't buy in, you know, already at a, at a disadvantage, you know, seeing how we're going on the recruiting trail and doing so little less and the lack of depth in the defensive back, like we're, you know, a top 100 defense, you know, it can definitely be better, but our offense is so good that it's out there winning us games. And that's just a huge part, but, I would have never believed that we'd be, you know, this far and talking about competing, you know, in those big games, not only the games, but on the recruiting trail where it matters too. So, Oh yeah. I mean, it, as much negative recruiting as was going on, all the attrition uh, that we had from the team, just the, and it, I, you know, I contended early in the week on our show that <clears throat> I think that the, the talent drain was more pronounced on the defensive side of the ball. And we lost toe toe, we lost key Lawrence, um, Claveris Crouch, Air Gray, J.D. Yeah. Peterson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Peter the Peterson flop, uh, <laughs> that whole deal. Um, the NCAA investigation, just everything, and it's it's really if you take a step back and look at it, it's it's pretty wild how successful Heupel and and his whole staff and the team have been. So it's a, you know, it's a testament to their hard work. And um, I, I guess finally having a coach and I think it was Drew that just said, you know, having uh, the coach, we've got the coach who's runs the most cutting edge dynamic offense. Mm-hmm. And he's just an incredible play caller. So, I mean, and that's the thing as well. Like it just, you, you know, we've had, you know, we've had Butch Jones that started off hot in a couple of years, like with, you know, in 2016 and things like that. But you always kind of had that feeling where, like, it was, like, too good to be true. It genuinely feels like there's something about this team and just about this coaching staff where I don't know if you would agree with this with you uh, or not, Bear, but, like, you genuinely believe that this team can, can make it to the Sugar Bowl, that they can make a New Year's Six Bowl, and that they're even going to get better from there on. There's that. But- bright future where like we've proven on the field and off the field obviously that like we can get be back where we belong yeah uh, and, I, and i think part of that is is that you know every time butch had an opportunity and those guys had an opportunity to exceed expectations it's not that they didn't meet expectations they had a really bad habit of never being able to exceed mm-hmm. expectations in the short amount of time uh coach heifel has been here, you know, we've in 18 months, we've exceeded expectations, you know, several different times. Um, and specifically this year, definitely Pitt and being able to win Pitt and Florida. Um, you know, we were hoping we could get to four. No, but I, I think we all felt like at three and one, we wouldn't complain too much, but now that we're here, I mean, at four, no, it's, it's, it's just incredible. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, though. I mean, like, three, four – I mean, hell, I mean, two years ago. I mean, with those close games that we had with Pitt, and especially the near fourth-quarter collapse that we had, the last two minutes collapse we had against Florida, like, like you would have thought, like, you know, typical Tennessee and everything like that. But, like, it finally – I mean, hell, it even feels like our luck is turning. I mean, we got – LSU's playing an 11 a.m. kickoff us next Saturday. Like, this would have never happened three or four years ago. I mean, Yeah, and it – like kind of sucks for fans and uh, travel, you know yeah. bars and businesses and stuff. But as far as it's really kind of a huge break for us, you know, something that I know Russ has said it a lot. A lot of the former players that he's interviewed over the years, and you know, I'm sure T Fair and and everything. Those guys will always tell you the worst thing to do is to have to sit around at the hotel all day waiting on the game if you're on the road. They'd rather go ahead, get to the stadium, and get started, and get the you know play the game. So it's a it's a pretty big advantage for us. Is you know coming up next weekend, another big test, huge test. I mean, hopefully be able to get 
revenge from that whole entire 2010 debacle. Uh, oh, did, man. Oh, going all the way back to 2001 when they started, you know, they kind of tripped us and shoved us down the hill in uh, mediocrity down yeah. there in Atlanta. So, yeah, it would be nice to return the favor <laughs> and, and, and not, uh, not, you know, not do anything to help Brian Kelly get any traction uh, coming into the league his first year. So, Oh, I, I don't, oh, man, yeah. I don't think he's going to be going away at LSU anytime soon, regardless of results, especially with that five. Oh, no, he's, he's recruiting. His, his class, his first class he's got coming in next year is unreal. So, um, yeah, oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's going to be a problem for everybody. But that's why it's important this first year to, you know, get Napier and get uh, right. Kelly and, and get these guys, while, you know, in their first year and kind of get up on them a little bit. And then you have that mental edge, yeah. you know, down the road. So yeah. anyhow, I think, was, I think it was somewhere on Twitter. They said, you know, Heupel has us out there practicing at 7 a.m. And, you know, LSU's practice, I think, is around 4 p.m., 3 p.m. our time. So, like, it's just, you know, if that does, you know, transfer in, you know, obviously the fans, you know, nighttime Baton Rouge versus daytime 11 a.m. kickoff, that's going to be a huge difference in itself. Obviously bad for business, but I think it'll have our guys ready to go. We saw last year. The two games that we exploded most, I think, was South Carolina and Missouri, and those were early kickoffs. So if they come out there ready to go, if we could even see some kind of resilience to that. Um, I don't think Jaden Daniels is all that. I think if you get pressure on him, he's kind of already banged up. And then what does LSU do? If we can, you know, transfer it kind of to that pit vibe, you know, how we took off Slovis and Patty, I think that would be a huge thing. But you still got to worry about LSU's receivers. They're skilled players, even though they're kind of, you know, just getting started and you know, Brian Kelly's era, like Keyshawn Butte is still there. They got a dynamic quarterback. And, you know, if we can take that guy out, that's a, a huge step and stuff for that game. Yeah. I mean, we need to treat it a lot like Pitt. We need to, you know, plan on, you know, our, we need to get a hold of their quarterback. We need to rough him up early. Uh, even when we don't sack him, we need to get there and, and put him on the ground. And, and we need to play real physical. Yeah. against LSU and then just impose our will on them offensively. So it'll be a really interesting game to watch. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the last three weeks now for Akron, Florida, and now going into LSU, we'll see, you know, dual threat quarterbacks. But at least this week compared to last week, this guy isn't built like a linebacker. I think if you put pressure on Jaden Daniels and you get to him, if Byron Young and Tyler Barron can get back there and get hits early, like it's going to, you know, only take a few if he's already banged up probably. They already lost their uh, starting left guard. The offensive line has already kind of been mediocre. If Tennessee can get you know hot on the defensive, that would be a huge game for the defense to come alive and prove that hey, like we can compete with our offense and go out there and win a game too. And I think it starts there. That's that's about it. I mean, it's just it, you know, it's the uh, the next challenge. And you know, I know it's cliche, but we, you know, at this point, we just got to take it one game at a time and one week at a time. And uh, you know, I really think that. Hopefully we can stay healthy and continue to play well on offense and shore up some of our problems on defense. And we've got a really good – this team's got a really good shot at having a really special, special year. So – and for the bunch that stuck around, I, I guess in closing for me, you know, it, it – I wish them all the luck in the world. Um, this is a special group, the guys that stuck around and didn't bolt. Um when a lot of their teammates and friends were, it just does something to their character. So, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think you said it perfectly. It's a special time on Rocky Top. I never thought I would have said that, especially when we hired the man back in uh, January of 2021 to be a top 10 team. <clears throat> I hopes and going on the road against LSU, even potentially even getting maybe an upset against Alabama. Brando, Bear, any last thoughts, any last concerns, anything like this? I'll just, I'll just add to that, I guess. You know, going into week four, if you would have told me week two, going into week four or five, that we'd be, you know, 4-0, beat Florida, be, you know, one of the 21 teams still undefeated and the only team in that 21 to have two top 25 ranked wins. Um, I think that's an impressive resume to go out there after last year. Start off hot. Obviously, we'll see what happens against LSU. But I think this week it's kind of been a celebratory week, you know, you know, talking about it, but now actually being about it, getting that win and trying to change for the future. And if we can go out there and continue this path, like Bear said, 
actually taking it week by week now and not just being cliche. You know, we can go out there and win games, and we'll just see how it happens, man. I think this team is definitely special. We have a great offense, a great quarterback, and I think the defense is coming soon. So, obviously, a, a bye week episode, not crazy much, but still a lot to unpack, and it was cool. Well, good deal. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that's that's about all I've got. My voice is about shot after <laughs> the day show. Um, just been a great season. So I appreciate you guys having me on, though. Of course, for sure. Absolutely. All right. I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Yes, yes sir. sir. Good one. Thank you, Bear. Drew. Brandon. The show. Always a pleasure. Next week, uh, we'll get a, uh, won't say who, we'll say where, but oh. we'll get a little nice little special guest for everyone next week. So, oh, yeah. A yes, lot's unpacked. Lots up, unpacked. Hyped up about this big LSU game. And a lot of people forget we're less than five weeks away from Tennessee basketball as well. So falls basketball is just right around the corner, as crazy as it seems to believe. So we'll definitely have to talk a little hype about that as well very soon for sure. Uh Brando. Back next Wednesday. Yeah, back next Wednesday, full crew, looking forward to the LSU game. Obviously, Lowe and Alex not here. Prayers to all our uh, listeners in Florida, you know, people from Florida in general battling this hurricane. Uh, thoughts and prayers out there. Be back next uh, Wednesday. Huge to unpack. Until then, go Vols, and we'll see you next week. Go Vols, baby.